0: 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 through 21. We're going to start in verse 14, but our focus today will be that whole section 11 through 21. But let's jump into verse 14. King James, Paul says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. Look what he says here, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents but the parents for the children and i will very gladly spend and be spent for you though the more abundantly i love you the less i be loved i want to read you this this is so good today as we think about being part of the church being part of god's kingdom i I thought this was such a great example and it should be a mindset for us Uh, Russ Blowers, he's a minister, and he's active in the Indianapolis Rotary Club. And each week at the club, meetings of different members gives a brief statement about their job. And so when Russ got to his turn to talk about his job, here is what he said. Now look at this. This is so good. Russ said, I'm with a global enterprise. We have branches in every country in the world. We have our representatives in nearly every parliament and boardroom on earth. We're into motivation and behavior alteration. We run hospitals, feeding stations, crisis pregnancy centers, universities, publishing houses. We perform spiritual heart transplants. Our original organizer owns all the real estate on earth, plus an assortment of galaxies and constellations. He knows everything and lives everywhere. Our product is free for the asking because there's not enough money to buy it. Our CEO was born in a hick town, worked as a carpenter, didn't own a home, was misunderstood by his family, hated by his enemies, walked on water, was condemned to death without a trial, and arose from the dead, and I talk with him every day. The church is the most amazing organization in the world. (laughs) Isn't that good? That's my job. That's who I work for. That is the church. And I want you to be encouraged this morning as you think about it. When you're spending and being spent for Jesus, you're spending and being spent for the best job in the whole world. So let's look a little bit this morning and again, just trying to pull out some truths here, what Paul teaches us about how to approach our ministry and in some cases, our leaders, our church leaders. The reason behind boasting is where we want to start off first this morning. <clears throat> Verse 11. Paul says, again, we've talked about this the last couple of chapters, I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior Be the super apostles, even though I am nothing. The things that mark an apostle—signs, wonders, and miracles—were done among you with great perseverance. How are you inferior to other churches, except that I was never a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now again, Paul is trying to regain some authority by letter with the Corinthian church. If you remember back in chapter 11, he laid out his list of sacrifices for the church, right? I mean, how many times he was beaten, how he was shipwrecked and left for dead, how he was stoned and left for dead, right? And even all the care of the churches, he laid that out trying to say, and even there he said, I'm a fool for talking like this. And then in chapter 12, he says the same thing. I know a man, right, who ascended to heaven. And he speaks kind of, he's like, again, I shouldn't have to speak like this I shouldn't have to talk this way, but you guys have drove me to it. It's what he says here in verse 11. At the very least, I should be commended by you, uh, but instead I'm having to defend myself in front of you. When the church should have commended Paul because he came free of charge, he had their best interests at heart. He was a sincere, spirit-led leader. He had seen the risen Christ. He had lived a life demonstrating that. He demonstrated patience signs and wonders and even mighty deeds among the people of Corinth, they should have believed and trusted that he was a possible and they should have commended him for who he was. But instead, they were always checking out the next latest, greatest thing. Okay? Again, and I'm not trying to focus so much on me this morning, but I want to challenge you guys today. When you have a church leader, that's the real deal, that they live the life, that they live it in front of you then they shouldn't have to defend themselves all the time, right? I don't feel like that. I don't feel like I have to defend myself. I You guys trust me and I trust you, all right? But what we need to think about is is that are we always looking for the next best, greatest, greener grass type thing? As a matter of fact, Paul points out here and he says that the the only thing that he did for some other churches that he didn't do for them was he didn't ask them to take in his financial needs. Paul was building a tent there in Corinth so he didn't have to be a burden to the church at Corinth. In other churches, he did ask for help. So very simply this morning, I want you to think about it this way. Please respect your church leadership if they demonstrate these characteristics among you. Church leaders should not have to whip out some list of all the things they have done for you or how many ways they have helped you. And here's what I want to challenge you this morning, and I've done it myself. Don't take good church leaders for granted. All right. And so even in our church when you think about the people who are leading us whether it's through uh, Socon or it's through Sunday school or Megan doing on our Sunday school there as well we need to appreciate people who are willing to step up. There's so many people that will just sit and consume. But for people who will step out and will take that that step of faith to share and to teach and develop and grow us, we need to respect them and not take them for granted. And That's the first thing I want to you to see this morning Second thing the heart of a servant and philippians 2 was my devotions this morning such a reminder there of jesus being that picture of a servant we have it here with paul as well so let's look back again at verse 14 of second corinthians chapter 12 paul says now i am ready to visit you for the third time and i will not be a burden to you Because what I want is not your possessions, but what? But you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. Spend and expend. If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet the crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. (laughs) Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same course? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ, And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Yes, everything we do is for your strengthening. Okay, so I want you guys to think about the heart of Paul here this morning. Paul says, I'm coming again. (laughs) He's going to come for the third time. And when he comes, he's not asking for them to pay his way. He will ask for some money for the churches at Jerusalem. We saw that in chapter 8 and 9. He wanted them to be generous, right? But he is not asking for himself. And here, I just hear this so clearly because it's so opposite to what some church leaders are today. His desire is not to make money or take money from the church, but that they may be all that they can be in Christ. And that's what a true minister is about. A true minister isn't about a book deal Or a record deal or a YouTube channel or a social media star, a true minister is about developing the people that God has given them. All right. Whatever that is. If that's a Sunday school teacher or a a homeless ministry leader, whatever that is, they're looking at developing and growing people, not making a name for themselves. And Paul, who probably has a greater name than just about any other minister, reveals again his heartbeat in this passage. And it's a reminder for us to have that heart of a servant. Paul wants them and not their stuff. Did you catch that? That was all the way back in verse 14. What I want is not your possessions, but you. I want you. Have you ever looked at people coming in to our church as to what they can what you can get out of them, all right? Some churches look at people that way. We have to be careful not to do that, right? You might see like, oh boy, here's a nice, uh, white, young, suburban, wealthy family. Wouldn't it be great to get them in our church and tithing? <laughs> oh, and here's a scraggly, bearded, homeless guy walking by, coming to the church. Boy, he stinks. Let's put him in the corner and maybe hope he doesn't come back next week, (laughs) right? But this young family, well, we could build a church on young families, right? You guys see where I'm coming from, okay? We need to be careful that we aren't looking at people for what we can get out of them. Paul says, I don't want your possessions. I want you. I want you to grow, and I want you to be everything. So whether it's a homeless man or a wealthy young family, I want them to be everything that Christ wants them to be. That needs to be my heartbeat. All right, so if we're going to be good leaders, that needs to be what drives us and what helps us. Again, he wants them, not their stuff. And so if you ever need to analyze some motives for ministers or church leaders, see what their goal, their end goal is. Are they about the people or are they about the stuff? Paul makes this quick point here. He says, now, the children shouldn't pay the parents' way, although I kind of like that idea, right, Isaiah? but the parent should lay up for the children, right? Paul says, I'm not expecting you to be taking care of me. I should be taking care of you. He is trying to take care of his children, and I love this phrase, and this is why I wanted to kind of focus again this morning. Paul will spend and be spent. Not only will he pour out material resources on his children, he will pour out his own Time, if you had taken off the back of, look at Paul's back, you'd taken off of his shirt and look at his back, you would see physical scars all over that back, right? You would probably see some really ugly bruises from where he had stones thrown at him, right? If you could look at Paul, you would see a body that was used up. What are we using up for the kingdom of God today, right? I'm not telling you guys that we shouldn't take care of ourselves and we should eat good and we should exercise those are good things, especially so we can have a healthy body as long as possible to serve the Lord. But are we using that body to spend and be spent for Christ? Again, I wish you guys could all been in my Sunday school class this morning. I had Dave and Jacob with me. And I said, let's imagine this is 100 years right here. (laughs) And then I went all the way around the whole room saying, this is the rest of your life. And we get so worried about this here, don't we? Right? I know I do. And yet, if we'll be obedient with this, what is coming is so worth so much more. Spend and be spent. Here's a quick little humorous illustration to remind us about that. Jack Moore wrote a story about two teenagers, and one teenager was talking to another. I'm really worried. Dad slaves away at his job, so I'll never want for anything, so I can go to college. And mom spends every day washing and ironing and cleaning up after me. She takes care of me when I'm sick. Well, the other kid says, so what are you worried about? The first teenager says, I'm afraid they might try to escape. (laughs) Right? Parents should care for the children. And again, that's the point here. The minister shouldn't be the one begging people to resource them and continue to, to give them and exalt them. But the parents should be caring about the children. And so Paul brings up an interesting point here, and I thought this is, you could tell it's kind of stinging him a little bit. He says he feels like the more he loves them, the less they do. That's because sometimes his love comes in the form of discipline. Can you hear me out just a little bit this morning? I haven't been too hard on most of you here, but there may come a time where I may try to speak into your heart. I may call you out on something. All right? It may be a time where a men's ministry leader or a Sunday school teacher pulls you aside and says, man, I love you, but I'm really worried about what the decisions you're making here, right? That takes some courage, doesn't it, right? Because you're always like, well, if they look back at me, they're going to see all my flaws and failures. But Paul was willing to make and to take care of the people by bringing discipline to them as they needed it, okay? That's another sign of a good leader, If they're always about people-pleasing and they're always trying to make everybody happy and they're never willing to step out in discipline when it's needed, then that's a flaw in their leadership. Here we can see that a good leader also brings the appropriate discipline. Again, nobody's fond of discipline, but when it comes, it makes us more like Christ. The servant does not come to be a burden. His desires for the people he serves And everything is being done that these people might be edified, that they might be more like Jesus. Okay, so the second idea here this morning is having that heart of a servant, and it is definitely displayed in Paul. When serving others, we should not consider what's in it for us. We should be like parents to those who are under our care, and we should be willing to spend and be spent for their welfare. What would you do for your kids, right? I mean, I know the heartbeat of my wife. And when Wendy had Brooklyn, we weren't sure that Wendy was gonna make it. There was a little touch and go moment there where her blood pressure just dropped all the way out and we didn't know what was gonna happen there, right? But I know even from the the young girl that I married to the lady that she is now, that she would spend and be spent for her kids to know the Lord to the nth degree. That's who she is, And that's what Paul is saying, who he is, as a ministry leader, and I'm going to challenge you today again for the people that are put under your care. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. Maybe it's some neighborhood kids. Maybe it's the people that are under your teaching care. Spend to be spent for them that they can be everything that God wants us to be. So these are really good verses for raising children, but they're especially good for church ministry leaders. All right, the last thing here we want to think about this morning, and that is Paul, the fear that he had of finding an unrepentant Church, let's be just super clear today, right? I don't know that churches uh, only still call out sin. And people, do they still repent of those sins? This has been going for 2,000 years, and Paul was concerned about this very thing at Church of Corinth. Look down, if you would, in verse 20. For I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be, look at these things, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, faction, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not, what? Repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. This unrepentant church. What would you trade for immediate gratification, for immediate profit? All right, let me give you something to think about here just a little bit this morning, and I'm afraid this has infected the church today. A scenario from a poll of 198 sprinters, swimmers, powerlifters, and other athletes, most of them U.S. Olympians or aspiring Olympians, here's what the scenario was presented to them. If I offered you a band Performance-enhancing substance with two guarantees. The first one, you'll never get caught, and the second one, you will win. Would you take the substance? 195 said yes, and three said no. <laughs> Think about this. This was even scarier. Scenario two, you are offered a banned performance-enhancing substance that comes with two guarantees. One, again, you'll never be caught, but this time two you will win every competition you enter for the next five years, and then after that, you will die from the side effects of the substance. Would you take it? More than half of the athletes said yes. That desire, that competitive passion was so strong that they would compromise, even something they know in their mind to be right, in order to have what they desired about everything else. Now, you know this is a trap, right? <laughs> some in the church at Corinth, they lacked some integrity. And this put some fear in the heart of Paul and the heart uh, of his leaders there as well, Titus as well, as we saw the passage. Here's what I want you to think about with me this morning. People had a disregard for the words of God, and they were willing to exchange a temporary delight for an eternal hear the Lord speak today? They had, this is the church of Corinth I'm talking about, and I'm applying it to us, the church as a whole, and us today as cross-life too. People had a disregard for the words of God, and they were willing to exchange a temporary delight for an eternal one. Again, more worried about this hundred years than the whole way around the room, right? Instead of repenting and humbling themselves, They were choosing themselves, and it was going to cost them an eternity. Okay? Hear me out today, guys. Man, I just, if I could just shake you (laughs) this morning. I want you to hear this, right? The words of God need to be what drive us and push us and direct us and inspire us and correct us. But instead, sometimes we just kind of let them lay around. And we do what we want. Be careful. Another way to word this same idea, again, to help you think about it today. Are we trading eternal rewards for temporary ones? Are we disregarding the words of God for selfish desire? Right? Lord, help us to step away from those things. This was going on at the church of Corinth. Did you hear the list of things I read? This was in the church. (laughs) Just a quick review here, and I don't have this on the screen, so bear with me. There were debates or quarreling. There was jealousy. Why does she get this? Why did he get this? Why don't I get this? There were outbursts of anger. There were factions. We know that at Corinth, right? I'm from Paul's team. I'm from Apollos' team. I'm from Peter's team. We followed Jesus, right? You Remember those factions that were in the church? They were still going on. There was backbiting and slander and whisperings and gossip. There were arrogance uh, and disorder. And they still had problems with sexual sins, right? So much so that the son had the father. And ultimately, uh, I love that King James word, lasciviousness or a debauchery, just an all-out pleasure-seeking desire at the church at Corinth. And part of the reason I think Paul and Titus worked so hard is because they didn't want their labor to be in vain. You ever had your labor be in vain? (laughs) Work on something and then something happens to it and you're like, oh, right? Why did I go to all that trouble? They were working so hard because they thought, if I could work as hard as I possibly can, maybe this thing will hold together. The Corinthian church had displayed these problems before, and they had displayed a problem with repentance. At times, they had shown very little of it. Let me ask you this morning, when's the last time you repented for transgressing the Lord's spirit at work in your heart and life? Hello? Hello? That's a tough question, isn't it, right? When's the last time you really said, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting? When's the last time you really humbled yourself and said, God, I want what you want, not what I want? That's where the Lord's been convicting me, right? Paul says here, I'm afraid that the Lord's going to humble me when I come back. I'm afraid I'm going to come back to a church that is still selfish and serving itself rather than humbling itself and following the words of the Lord. And I, all I'm trying to push on to you guys and you guys at home today is take God's word, let it soak in your heart. And as the Lord corrects and instructs and leads and, and admonishes, that you follow that word and you would stay in the path that He has for you. Again, we need to be spent and to spend for one another. One final illustration today, guys, and we'll wrap everything up here, all right? The 1997 graduating class of Whit Springs, Arkansas had a valedictorian and a salutatorian. Unlike, unlike other graduating classes, the top two graduates were also the only graduates. <laughs> so you, you got to be one or the other, right? Whit Springs had a population of 100. It also produces few athletes from a student body of 41 in grades seven through 12, okay? At Noblesville, we have almost 800 students in one grade, like grade 11 has like 800 students. They had 41 kids, grades 7 through 12. (laughs) But the author goes on to say they managed to produce athletes that take team play to a new level. In a basketball game with their rival town, Leslie, Whit Springs trailed by over 30 points with just two minutes to go. And the fans began to chant, put in Scotty. Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. Well, Coach Nash obliged and inserted senior guard Scotty Harmon. Harmon has cerebral palsy. (coughs) Harmon received a pass, alone and unguarded on the perimeter, and he flung the ball toward the hoop. Well, he missed. His teammates scrambled for the rebound and gave Scotty a second chance, and he missed again which started another fight for the ball. The kids know when Scotty's in there, their game is over, Coach Nash said. They're doing it for him now. The atmosphere changes. Even if they're worn out, they'll break their necks to get that rebound. Our kids will go above everybody to get the ball to Scotty. On his fourth try, Harmon sunk a three-pointer. And fans on both sides of the gym cheered wildly. The scoreboard said Leslie 89 and Whit Springs 58, but everybody left the winner, especially Scotty's teammates. And the picture here again is that just like his teammates, let us spend and be spent for one another. How hard I will get a rebound to give Vicky her best chance to be what God wants her to be. How hard I'll try to steal and defend and do what I can to get Greg what he needs to be what God wants him to be. I want to spend and be spent for my teammates. Because when they win, when they score, what happens? We all win big time, right? Are you willing to give of yourself so that someone else may be closer to Christ? The ultimate question this morning is how are you helping others get closer to the Savior? All right, let's stand this morning. Thank you guys so much for your attention. Please let the Lord's uh, word speak to your hearts today. Let's spend and be spent for one another and especially Let's keep a heart that is humble.